All right. Well, last week, I'm going to get into this very quick because uh, we're, we're a little bit long today and I want to uh, get through my message, which ties into last week. I'm actually going to recap some of last week more so than what I normally do. You can get the full message back if you go on a, you know, one of our uh, streaming sites, YouTube, Facebook. I know it's not on Facebook, but YouTube, you can go back to that. And, uh, and I talked about the will of man. Every single one of us has a will. And uh, that will is found in the makeup of what we call the soul. The Bible talks about that we are a three-part being made in the image of God, who is a three-part being. And uh, uh, yet these three parts are one. They operate independently and separately, but they're still one. You have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. They overlap in many areas, but they, they do function differently, but yet you are still one person. But the, the, the soul is comprised of the mind, that's your intellect, how you think, your will, that's what I'm talking about, and your will is the driving force of what you want to do, uh, the mind, the will, and your emotions. Uh, most people battle, uh, you know, most people intellectually, their mind, you can think. Uh, I mean, some people, there are disabilities that affect the mind, but most people, their mind functions. But the will a lot of times is driven in a wrong direction and the emotions for a lot of people uh, are broken because they live an emotional life and they judge everything based on their emotions instead of allowing their emotions to just feel and experience what they're, they're going through. So if, if when I get born again, I'm a new creature. Do you know it's easy to get born again? Do you know that there are no birth defects in the born again experience? Once you get born again, your born again spirit's perfect. It's not developed yet; it's still immature. But there's no there's no uh, defects in getting born again. So then, but then there's the mind. There's the way we think. I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, "You got to get out of your stinking thinking." A lot of people have stinking thinking, and uh, they they don't know it stinks. You ever been around somebody who doesn't bathe properly? Everybody knows they stink except them, because they've gotten used to it. You can have stinking thinking, but you got used to it. And what you call it, what I call it, is normal. Because that's the way I think, even if it stinks. Preaching better than you're looking at me. So now, my biggest problem, if my born-again spirit has no birth defects, my biggest problem is me. Thank you. My biggest problem is me. You have no power over me. Now, you can influence me. You can make me uncomfortable. You can, you know, make me doubt myself if you have a strong enough personality or something like that. But, but my only problem is me. Now, if you understand that, that, my, that David's problem, David only has one problem. It's David. If you can understand that, you can understand you are your only problem. Amen. And that falls within your will. Your will is driving you to do certain things. Those things are things that we want on some level. Now, people, when they get into the battles of life, they're trying to change something in their life. Uh, they'll, they'll focus on getting a new strategy, uh, self-discipline, temperance, kind of same thing, uh, you know, different things like that. But if you don't deal with your will, you can't self-discipline yourself out of your will. But your will can change your discipline. 
because my only problem is me. Do you know that everybody masters self-discipline? Everybody is a master of self-discipline. It's just we mastered it on the negative side. Oh, man, I, I, I can't get myself to get up out of bed. I sleep 14 hours a day. You mastered self-discipline in being lazy. Man, every time I sit down, I eat too much because you've disciplined yourself to eat too much. Now, why do we do that? Because there's a lot of things we do that are negative for our health, our emotions and everything like that. Why do we do that? Because there's something we are getting out of it that our will drives us to get. Now, last week, so last week we dealt with two uh, factors, and that was the will of God and the will of man, the will of us. We looked in Ephesians 1.5. We're not going to go there. But God created us with a destination in mind. Okay, so he had a will for us. Now what he wants is us to will what he wills. Pastor, what does he will? Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of son is, especially as you see that day approaching. The tithe, the tenth of all your increase is holy unto me. I did not change that in the New Testament because I reiterated it in Hebrews chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 23. Pray without ceasing. Amen. Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. How's your study life? Don't answer. Don't look down. Okay, this is the Old Testament, the New Testament, the old will, the new will. Okay, we live under the new covenant. But see, he wants us to will his will. When you and I are driven by our wills. So our destination is a is to function according to his will. Now, we want things that we perceive will give us something that we desire, but it doesn't ever work out the way that we desire it. Have you ever noticed that? If you will what he wills, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your life. But in the giving of the desires of your heart, uh, it will work in conjunction with his will. It's the alignment into him. So God wants us to will his will. Now, now life success is, this, this is why resolutions don't work. You know, January 1 comes around and we got all these resolutions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. They all sound good. But it's really not what we want. You're fat because you will it. You're skinny because you will it. I'm not picking on anybody. We're all something. You, you, you may think you want more money. You don't because you're, you're apprehending what you will. Because you, everybody here can get more money if you're willing to do what it takes to get more money. We're not willing to do what it takes. Therefore, we're satisfied with where we're at even though we say, I want more. Amen. It's all a function of the will. It's, man, God's system is so perfect. And we're going to stand before him one day and we're going to say something. He says, then, no, you wanted to do this because that was your will. Okay, we're not going to go into eschatology today. Okay. Real, if you want the answer to it, like if you're trying to change something in your life, the reason that it's a struggle 
number one is it's a function of your will and you want something out of whatever you're trying to change. The reason it's a struggle to change if you, you have not gotten a motivating force strong enough to make you will it. See, just take the person that the, goes to the doctor and the doctor tells them every time, say, dude, you're overweight, you're gonna have a heart attack one day, you need to start exercising and eating right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> then one day he has a heart attack and almost dies. Now you see him walking every day, he's eating, every, you know, right, he's putting the other things. Why? His will changed because now there's a, a motivating force that's high enough, I don't wanna die. I will do the things necessary to live. You can do it in money. You can put it in your life. You can put it in whatever, whatever area of life you struggle in. Not my message today, but it fits into the biblical things. Whatever area of life you're wanting to change, it is a function of your will. All right, now, uh, I'm going to read three verses we read last week, but I'm going to go through them very fast. Turn to Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're getting excited about the word now, huh? But I'm still preaching on the same subject, so keep your excitement going. That's right. All right, Genesis eleven six, and the Lord said, "Behold, the people is one." This this factor right here is very very important. In fact, if I go back to just personal success, the reason people struggle with personal success is they are not even one within themselves. They're double minded. They're pulled this way, pulled that way. This thing affects them this way. That thing affects them that way. They're not one. But we're but we're looking at a bigger bigger a bigger picture today to be one there is an abandonment of personal will to be one with something else is is to abandon self to some capacity marriage is it all about you no you can't you're going to have to abandon your will to some degree in order to be one with the spouse and it doesn't matter how much you love them or say you love them. How can two walk together unless they agree? It goes in all arena. In fact, they say in, um, uh, in business structures, the worst business structure to have is a partnership. They almost always end in divorce because there's something they don't agree with in there. So they were all one, Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language, and, they what, and this they begin to do. Watch this. Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now, this was so strong, it moved God to change their language so that they could no longer be one because they had tapped into a spiritual force <coughs> that they could live an unrestrained life. That is reserved for Christians. Amen. God wants you and I to live an unrestrained or a life without restraints. So we don't have a God problem. I have a David problem. You have an insecure name problem. The only problem you have to overcome, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, yes. the only problem you have to overcome is you. You want to do what you want to do. And you don't care if you've got to cut in line to get in front of somebody else. You know, metaphorically speaking. 
I've, I've talked to people, and somebody else comes up and wants to talk to me. And they, they interrupt because they think what they wanted is so important that the other person I'm talking to, you know, shouldn't be able to finish their dialogue with me. Why? Because we're self-consumed. Amen. Amen. <laughs> we are not living in our God-given potential if we are not doing the impossible. What keeps us from doing the impossible? The will of man. I don't believe I can. I'm not good. Oh, man, what if I get out there and I fail? What if this? What if it's, it's all about us? Now, go if you would to Matthew chapter 6. Amen. This is, amen. Thank you. This is what we read last week. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Thy king, this is Jesus' prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will. Him, he praying to the Father. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was focused on being one. Is this your will? Take it down at, at whatever level. You have a job, you're going to work. Is your attitude to be one with the vision of your job, to accomplish the vision of somebody who hired you? Or is it to give your opinion on how things should be? It's always interesting how people who did not take the time, effort, money, risk to create the business wants to always be corrected or ends up always being corrected by the employees who took no risk. Didn't understand how to start the business? Can we be one in the church? Can you be one with the body? Or is your opinions getting in the way in your desires? So if, if we violate in those areas, or, you know, or we're out driving and we're driving too fast, police officer pulls us over and we say something like, why aren't you out catching real criminals? Well, actually you are. <laughs> you just didn't want to be in one with the law of the land. Now, if we violate these other positions, what makes us think that we're walking correctly with God? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want your, your will to be done in this earth just like your will is done in the heavens. Now, go to John chapter 17. This is a new verse. I didn't use this one last, uh, last week. So, so if you're tired of the review, we're, we're getting off of the review right now. John chapter 17, verse 20 says, Neither pray I for these alone, or I, Jesus saying, I, I don't just pray for these who are around me, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. So they're actually going to go reach people, and I'm going to pray for them also. What is he praying? That they all may be one. This right here is Genesis 11, 6 version, New Testament version of the Old Testament, Genesis 11, 6. <clears throat> tapping back into the spiritual principle that God had to disrupt because they had tapped into what works, but, but it wasn't the time for it. That they, may all, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. When we get in one with the Father, with, through Jesus Christ, now the world is going to believe in what we have. Why? Because we're going to tap into a spiritual force of oneness that's going to bring the glory and the manifestation of God into the earth. Verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are, are one. Now, this is the big battle of Satan. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He does not want you and me walking in 
the fullness of the power that God has designed for his believers by getting them in division. Just look at the fights within denominations. You know, this denomination, oh, we believe in Jesus, we do this. But I tell you what, they're all going to hell because they disagree on something. And these people over here say, no, we believe in Jesus Christ. He, he died for us for us again, but them over there don't. God's position is, I want you to be one. If you'll be one, I will manifest my glory through you. He said, well, well, what about Peter? He's not being one right now. You are your only problem. Even when, even when uh, Peter was talking to Jesus and he was telling him what kind of death he was going to tell you, he's like, what about John? It's none of your business what I do with John. What is that to you? You are your only problem. I am my only problem. The driving force behind me being my only problem is my will. I'm making decisions to satisfy my will instead of making decisions to satisfy the will of God. Are you with me? Okay, let me read. This one was from last week, but let's go ahead and read it again. Acts chapter 2, then we're going to get where I want to go. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with... When When the power of God manifested in a way that shook the whole region, it was because they were in one accord. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Jump down to verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance, fulfilling Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that, that says that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost is coming upon you. We talk about all this, but very few people walk in this power. This is the thing that I've been dealing with. I look at myself. I look at this church. We're not walking in the level of power that was given to us by, by God in his function of setting up humanity. So now let me show you the power of this will. Now, what I'm going to show you here I'm going to show you the power of will that is enforced by a strong motivation. Again, go back to um, uh, resolutions that typically don't work because people don't establish a strong enough resolution or a strong enough reason why they want it. Utilizing my person that had the heart attack. See, if, if, their, if their driving force was to, was to live long and strong, they would have been exercising and eating right. But even though a doctor told them you're eating wrong, the driving force of I want to eat this and I don't want to take time to exercise was what they did. They were operating on a function of their will to make it work the way they wanted to work. Don't think this isn't working within the church and your walk with God. Because most people, even Christians, that, that are walking with God, they're trying to do it the way that makes sense to them and works in the life that they envision instead of doing just what God says and allowing Him give, giving us the life that He envisions. That's a good word. It is a good word. God has a vision. In fact, everybody knows uh, Jeremiah uh, 29, 11, right? Yes. I know the thoughts that I think of you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. 
God has a plan, Ephesians chapter 1, that he knew us before the, the foundation of the world, called us by name, had a purpose for us. I guarantee you, you and I have messed it up somewhere along the way because of our will. Yes. Now, he's constantly working to try to get us back into alignment of what he wants. But it, again, it's still a fight of will. Okay, so let's go to Mark chapter 5. All right, Mark chapter 5. What I'm going to show you is the power of your will. And as they, Jesus and the disciples, came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, I want you to focus here on uh, immediately there met him. So there was a man who we call the demoniac. Uh, look in verse 6 real quick. When he saw, the demoniac saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. So, so let me paint the picture because the way the scriptures are, they're not in chronological order. Uh, it kind of goes back and forth to make the picture. So Jesus was coming to the shoreline of the, um, uh, of the gatherings. And there's a demoniac way out here someplace in the tombs. And he sees Jesus and he runs to worship him. Now this man's possessed of devils. Yes. He runs to worship him and met him when he got off the boat. Now, this is the scenario of where, uh, of where we see in him. So now I want you to think about the, the battle of this man. When he ran, if you know the story, we'll get to the verses in just a minute. When he ran to Jesus, we can assume he was naked. Because the Bible said he ran around naked. We can... Maybe, yes, he was bleeding. He might not have been at this point. But the Bible says that he continually cut himself. Yes. Y'all know anybody that cuts? Because it's still a problem today. Yes. They, they, Self-mutilation. People that try to get out of this, they go to a psychologist, psychiatrist. Psychiatrists don't know how to deal with demons. It amazes me the number of Christians that want to seek out help from a psychiatrist. In fact, I, I, had, I counseled a person one time that had been to a, a psychiatrist, psychologist, one of those two. Uh, they could dispense medicine. So what is that, a psychiatrist maybe? Something like that? And uh, they, they had been going to the psychiatrist for, what was it, like 15 years, 20 years, 25 years? Now, this is a long time. And uh, they were on like 10, 12 medications. They sat down with me for like four to six weeks. They, the, the psychiatrist had taken them off like half the medicines. They functioned different. They operated different. One of the family members said, I don't even recognize this person anymore. Why? Because you're not going to get an answer through psychology, psychiatry. You're not going to get, let me rephrase that. You will get an answer. It just won't be a biblical answer that will set you free. It will bind you on medicine. Well, praise God. Let me go back to here. And um, so he's running to Jesus. He may be bleeding because he cut himself continually. He was naked. We, we, we know for sure because he ran around naked. That's what he did. And uh, uh, what else was there? Let's read. Who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him with chains, often bound with chains. And uh, uh, night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying, cutting himself with stones. He might have been crying, too. All right, let's go back to uh, verse number three. Who had his dwelling among the tombs. 
Now, among the tombs, that's where you bury dead people. You know, a lot of Christians hang out with the dead. If they're dead on the inside, they're dead. Just because you're inhaling and exhaling doesn't mean you're alive. There's a lot. That's why Paul came back in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Why are you, what, what, what does uh, Belial have to do with Christ? Yeah. Why are you living among the dead and thinking that it's okay? Will, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. The world doesn't have your answer. And uh, um, I think it's the next one. Yeah, let's go ahead. Because he had been oftentimes bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. The answers of the world ain't going to give you the answers you need to walk in the, the freedom of Christ. Because this, this story right here is, is such a powerful story on the will of man. This man wanted out of what he was in. Now, there's a lot of people that say they want out of what they're in. You know, I was a drug addict. I'm not a drug addict anymore. Praise God, I let all that go. I just use a little marijuana now. <laughs> well, you're still a drug addict. B but it's legal. You're still, oh, yeah, I got my medical card. <laughs> Come on. We, we, we make some of the stupid excuses. Um, okay, let's read. Was plucked asunder by him, no man could tame him. Verse 5. And always, night and day. How long? Night and day, always. He was, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stone. There's a lot of people that, that are always crying. Now, they may not physically have tears coming out, but on the inside, they're crying. Life has just beat them up to the place. They don't know what to do. I tell you, this is, a powerful, this is a powerful story here. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now, here, here's, a, here's a phenomenal thing because it's the power of will. This man had a legion of demons. Now, I, 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 I like a lot of the, the analysis that Rick Renner does. He says that in the legion in, in the old days, in the, the term that they used, that was always a minimum of 2,000. Now, if you, if you go to Biblical Hermeneutics, uh, it's a website. I looked up Legion on there. They said from four to 5,000. Now, there's one thing in here that's very capable. This one man had anywhere between a minimum of 2,000 and maybe up to 5,000 demons that would be like individual demons inside of him. How much can your spirit man hold of Christ? Because if you can hold... Two to five thousand demons in you, you can you can be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. There's a power level that we can walk in if we, we can open our mind to it. So let's see what happens to this guy. Um, and um, for he said, uh, and when Jesus afar off, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now get the picture here. The demoniac, when he saw Jesus, ran and worshipped him. But when he got in front of Jesus, the demon spoke. Amen. The power of will. 
he willed, he's got two to 5,000 demons in, but he wanted so bad to get to the man who could set him free that although he was naked, although he might have been bleeding, although he had, uh, you know, he scared everybody, he was a social outcast, although he had all these strikes against him, he ran to Jesus, but even once he ran to him to worship him, demons spoke out and he couldn't control his voice. Now, I'm pretty sure nobody in here, except maybe one or two, has a legion of demons. I'm kidding on that. We have problems. You may be oppressed by a demon. You may be depressed by a demon. But you're probably not possessed by a demon. Through the will and the desire in your heart to be free, you can find yourself in front of Jesus. But many people have this hindrance. Well, but I, I don't know if I'm ready to commit. I don't know if I'm willing to, to walk that straight. I don't know if I can give up this, that, or the other. But once you get to a place where your will is to find him, there's nothing that will stop you. It'll get you over bad doctrine. It'll get you over emotional hurts. It'll get you out of addictions. It'll set you free. That once your will gets in place that I want this, like the guy with the heart attack, all of a sudden he wants to live. And he's willing to change components of his life in order to be in the freedom of who Christ is. This is, this is why recidivism rate is so high in America. People going back to whatever they've come back to is because they try to get out of it, but they really don't have the will to do whatever it takes. Jump to verse 9. Jesus says and asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. A lot of people, when they get into uh, uh, this, is just kind of a side note into casting out a demon, they'll, well, I need to ask the name of the demon. No, you don't. You don't need to know that at all. The only reason Jesus did here is so that the answer of many can come out to show in a biblical example that it doesn't matter how many demons against you. His power has the power yeah. to set you free. Jump down to verse 15. And they came to Jesus, this is the other people, to see... And see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You and I, no matter what we're fighting, no matter what we're battling, we have the right. We have the right if we're really willing and our will desires. I want what you have I want to get to get clean I remember I was standing in the uh, I can't remember why we were back at Tammy's family's house but uh, we were in the stake center which is the Mormon church and I was standing talking to somebody and a bishop walked in wasn't he a bishop a bishop walked in soon as soon as he walked in it sensed in my spirit a devil just walked in and I turned around and looked at him. And he was staring right at me. And so I stared right back. And he turned around and walked out. 
A lot of people want demons. They think it makes them better. A demon's taking you to hell. He was a bishop in the Mormon organization. So he was playing the role of a believer. But he had a demon. Now, to what degree, I don't know. But there's a lot of people claiming demons. They, they think it's okay. A little this, a little that, a little whatever. But it'll kill you. You're already spiritually dead. But it'll kill you. We, we have got to desire what Jesus has more than anything else in this natural life. Now I want to read one last verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. I quoted already verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think it towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. But I want to read here verse 12. Then you shall call upon me. This verse right here has been, uh, been on my heart. This one, 12 and 13, has been on my heart for probably the last four or five weeks that I, I just keep getting taken back to. Then sh you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will listen to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. I, I think in the United States we've gotten away from that. They, there's a term that they used to use when I was a kid, and it was pray through. Anybody here familiar with the term pray through? Mm -hmm. Come to the altar and pray through? Because you're going to stay in prayer until you break through. This demoniac even though he was in the New Testament, this is Old Testament, he ran to Jesus with all his heart. The motivation of freedom was far greater than the legion of possession. All your heart relates to the power of your will. Your will operates within your, your soulish realm, mind, will, and emotion. But your heart is the power behind it. Many people say that Jesus is their Lord, but he has no say in what they do. So, well, I'm a Christian. I read the Bible. I know this. Yeah, but are you doing what he said? Let's stand. I, I want to pray for people at the same time. I want to. Uh, <coughs> I can't pray to change your will. That'd be manipulation, probably fall into a realm of witchcraft. You, you and I have got to determine how far do we want to walk with this Jesus that we say we've, we've become, he's, he's become our Lord. It's going to be a function of my will. I've got to look at my will seriously. I, I would encourage you to look at your will seriously. Because you're doing, you say, why do I keep doing this? Because you want to. It ain't hard. Come ask me, I'll tell you. Because you want to. Oh, no, Pastor, I don't want to do that. I want to be free. I don't want to do this. Thing. <clears throat> yeah, because if you really wanted to be free, you'd be getting free. It's like I say, you know, we probably all hit our thumb with a hammer before. We don't seek to do it twice. It's an amazing thing. The next time we grab a nail, we're kind of like holding it like that, that if we miss, you know, we ain't going to smash our thumb because there was no benefit out of it. When we do things repetitively, <coughs> there is at some level we want it. <coughs> I 
I think I'll pray corporately over everybody. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Because if you're honest with yourself, you're as close to God as you are or as far away as you are because of your will. Because God wants a relationship with us. You're doing things that you do that you know you should not do because of an act of will. Because we're thinking on that level. What do we want out of this Jesus that many of us has called Lord. Because I, I, I've watched it so many times in personal interactions. The will of the person dominates what they are going to do. Jesus said to put him first. If we put him first, it may not even be a bad thing. I've told the story many times of Pastor Harbaum when he was just starting out in his uh, evangelistical ministry. He was still at Full Gospel Temple. Dr. Uh, Rothwell was his, uh, was his pastor. And uh, he finally got a church that he had called wanted to do a week-long revival. He booked it at the same time Dr. Rothwell um, was having a guest speaker in. And he came to him, heard that he had this thing, and he says, uh, um, Son, do you still go to this church? He says, Yeah, absolutely. Are you still on my leadership team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are you an elder in this church? Yes, I am. Then why are you going doing something else when I've got something going on? He canceled that meeting. Now, it wasn't, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just out of the will. Out of the will of where he was assembled. We've got to, we, we've got to get through this, folks. And it's not easy. It's a battle. Peter's given his testimony so many times on different components. You know what he kept fighting? He kept fighting Peter. He wasn't fighting drugs. He wasn't fighting criminality. He was fighting Peter. It was just the drugs and criminality was giving him escape of dealing with Peter. Others have given their testimonies where they've come out of horrible things. People, this will thing has got to come in, in line. God said he resists the proud. When we yield to our will, we're in pride. We're saying my way is better than your way, God, and I'm going to do it my way. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you right now. God, this is a real problem in us. This is a real problem for people, whether they realize it or not. Lord, we need strength to overcome. We need to recognize it and stand and, and know that, that, that we have submitted our will to you. We need to, to come before you, Lord, in a brokenness. And in a contrite heart, Lord, to know that, that we can't do this on our own. We've got to have it done through you. And the, the will that is within us is a very strong force that the enemy comes to kill and destroy. Uh, he's got to get us to want and desire and make decision that takes us away from you. God, help us today. Lord, anyone, God, that's speaking with you right now, God, in this, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help them break the power of the will that's dominating their life. Lord, for if we will you, you will will us. And there will be a unity that we can walk together. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for it. I thank you, God, for it. I thank you, God, for it. People were living in the last days. It's, it, it's, going, it's going to be a battle. You better have your will set on him. 
If you need prayer on anything that we've not discussed, the elders are up here. Just feel free to come forward and let them pray for you. But, but let me just encourage you today. Deal with yourself in this because everything that you have, you can be made free from in Christ. If you will, if you will desire like this demoniac, I want nothing greater than to be set free.